I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Over the course of the last nine episodes, we've spoken to people who are thinking about moving to a small town and people who've already made the jump. Today, we do something different. We talk to people who grew up in small towns about how those years were foundational in some pretty complex ways to who they've become. It's my way of getting to a question that I get all the time, particularly from parents. How would a move like this affect my kids? Would they hate it? Won't the school suck? Will they feel trapped and lonely? Will they be ostracized or bullied just for being who they are? The truth is, maybe. But bullying and being ostracized, that is not unique to small towns. And a quote-unquote good school is no guarantee of anything. This is Townsizing, a podcast from HDTV all about small town living. And I'm your host, Anne Helen Peterson. I am the person I am because I grew up in a small town. There are parts of that that were really hard, but they were easier for me because my family had enough money and I'm cisgendered and straight and white. But there are parts of it too that have led me to the career, the life, and the values I have today. There aren't any easy answers to how living in a small town will affect a child. And this isn't a simple conversation, which is part of why I wanted to have two very different conversations in this episode. One that you'll hear later in the episode is with a real-life teen who is now in her senior year of high school. She reflects on her experiences growing up in the small North Carolina town where her family has lived for generations. But first, I talk with Bobby Finger, the host of the wildly popular podcast Who Weekly, about what it was like for him growing up in a small Texas town. And I mean small, like under a thousand people small. Bobby's got a new book out called The Old Place, and it's fiction, but it draws heavily on his own experiences growing up, from the beloved and belabored yearly picnic to what it means to be gay or closeted in a town where everyone knows everyone's business. I'm from a small town outside of San Antonio. It's called Dehenes. I went to college in Austin and to UT. Same. So I loved Austin when I was there. 
I met someone recently, like over the past week, who asked if I'd always wanted to live in New York. And I said, no, never. I wanted to stay in Texas. <laughs> My dream was always Austin. My dream was to move to Austin and be in Austin forever. And then I moved to Austin and I liked it until I didn't. I was laid off from my job and my career got shaken up and I needed to find something else. And New York just made sense for what I was doing, which was advertising at the time. And when I left Texas and then realized I liked New York and wanted to stay in New York for the foreseeable future, it made me re-examine my relationship to this town where I was from. Because ever since I left the town, I was slowly sort of grappling with my past, past in terms of place. Because when we moved to San Antonio, I didn't like talking about being from a small town. I avoided it at all costs because I was trying to make new friends, new people for the first time in my life. And I thought that if I said I was from this small place, this little tiny town, like under a thousand people town known for bricks, like country town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it would come with these like preconceptions that I didn't want to deal with. And so I just didn't mention it. And it wasn't until I was in college, it was easier for me to talk about because it felt like this shameful part of my past for no reason, you know? And then as I got older, I began to embrace this place that I was from. But I still felt weird about it. Like, I felt like I didn't know it. I was always trying to run away from it and changing what I felt about this town. And so this book, in among other things, was a way of me really confronting my memory of this place and trying to deal with how I feel about this place and trying to give this place the respect that I didn't always give it. That was really special to me. I too didn't know how to talk about being from a small town because in my head, like I knew instinctively that there was something uncool about being from a smaller place. You know what Uh I mean? Can you go back in time and kind of describe what your memories are of growing up in a small town? I was there from the time I was born to the time I was about 14. And part of life there is that you're with the same, you know, 12 people from kindergarten to your senior year of high school. My siblings were because they graduated from high school there. Then they both went to UT and they never moved back. But they were with those same kids their entire young adult lives and their entire childhoods. And so in terms of friends, my friends were the kids who were in my class. I didn't have friends outside of that class. And honestly, I wasn't really good friends with any of the kids in my class. I never really liked them much. And I don't think they really liked me all that much. It wasn't miserable. Sometimes it was, but it was just kind Mm -hmm. of this, I don't know, low level of not even like, not even unhappiness, like, like adjacent to unhappiness where you just feel like you're not in the right space that no one Mm. ever quite clicks with you and vice versa. And so I was never super thrilled to be anywhere. And I think I was probably like a happy kid, but I didn't really have any friends. And the friends I did have, like, I never really thought liked me. And that was a problem from my young childhood. I never thought that anyone actually liked me because it felt like they were all hanging out without me, like going to the ranch, playing sports, just doing things I wasn't interested in. And so there were certain things that I really liked, certain classes that I really liked. But for the most part, it was just like when I wasn't at school, I was doing some sort of sport. It's the only thing to do. And I hated the sports. So like, thank God I like my family. I think about that a lot where it's like, If I didn't like my parents and I didn't like my siblings, it would have been, I think, actually miserable for me. But it wasn't actually miserable for me because I could go home 
And something in the book, in the old place, is a lot of the characters have a version of that, and a lot of the characters have the opposite of that, where they they fit into the town, but they really just don't get along with their family for whatever reason it is. That's sort of something that I wanted to explore in the book, all of these potential dynamics, the types of small-town resident that you can be, the types of small-town resident that I could have been had I stayed a little longer, or if I didn't have such like a good relationship with my parents. There are all these different ways that small town life can shake out. And I wanted to go through as much of them as I could in this. You do something I think that's really lovely in that you create a best friend for a character who is in some ways kind of like what Mm -hmm. you're describing about your own experience. Instead of being a tween teen boy who always feels different, there's a tween teen boy who moves Mm -hmm. in next door. It was the best friend I always wanted. And again, like, this isn't to say that I was this, oh, this miserable kid who had no friends. You know, oh, like, totally. of course, like, you are yep. you are friendly with the people in your class because you kind of have no other option. Mm-hmm. Or you do, but that option really sucks, right? Like, do you really want to do that to yourself? Do you want to be alone exactly. all the time? This is hard to explain. Like, people sometimes are like, were you miserable no. knowing that, like, you didn't fit in? And I'm like... No, I think I saw very early on the ways mm-hmm. to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I chose some of those, some of those ways, ways, right? I was like, okay, I'll be a cheerleader, yeah. right? Like, because I was not mm-hmm. good at any sports. And I was like, what? I got to do something if I want to be yeah. part of this. And that to me is just indicative of small town, like that there just aren't a whole lot of options of like different ways to be. Especially in those years, it's like the moment you get a car in a small town, the moment you're 15 or whatever, yes. everything changes. Because a lot of kids in a small town get a car, at least in Texas, when they're 15, because they somehow figure out the rules with their family how to get that learner's permit and how to get them mm-hmm. out doing what they want to do as early as possible. But especially pre-16, before you have a car, you're stuck. There's nothing to do. And that's why that neighborhood thing, that neighborly thing was so... I don't know, alluring to me because my sister had a really good friend, not a best friend, but a really good friend who lived next door to us. And everything's so spread out in towns too. Like there weren't those walkable next door neighbors for me. Well, there were, but it was just far (laughs) enough. And also people don't walk. Even though things are fast, they don't walk. (laughs) I just read the part where you talk about how like in Texas, like people drive Mm -hmm. long distances. You have a very specific, like intimate relationship with your car. But people also drive shorter distances. Well, one, because it's hot, but also because like the car's, the car's right there. there. Like, of course you're yeah. going to And I thought it. it was so cool and rare that my sister had a friend that she could just walk to their house. And sometimes he came to our house. I remember they loved playing Risk. They liked the same music. They had a pool. Yeah. I wanted to see what it was like to have that next door neighbor relationship. Because also I think that so much of the cliche of small town life is that everyone has that next door neighbor relationship that walk in, knock on, and it's just not true. And people are as private as they are anywhere else. They're as closed off as they are anywhere else. It's just sometimes they are forced to have those interactions more frequently than people in cities. And when they do, they tolerate it. And it's usually clear to the other person involved that you are simply just tolerating it. Is there anything that your town is known for Besides mm-hmm. the bricks. In the book, there's this Sunday mm-hmm. picnic at the beginning of the year that like everyone goes to. And there's also one church and yeah. everyone kind of like performatively attends it because it's essentially a community organization, not mm-hmm. actually a religious organization. Like what's the weird thing about your town? That's one of those things. It is that we have a, a similar, they call it the 4th of August, which has something to do with a major event that happened on August 4th some year. 
And it's when they have the big <laughs> church picnic, which is a lot like what I described in the book. Yep. But the thing that I find so weird is anytime there was an event that wasn't affiliated with the church, because if there was a church event, like a funeral or a wedding or an actual church event, like a holy day or something that had some after party or reception, it was in the church hall, the big event space mm-hmm. that was directly affiliated with the Catholic church. But other times the events would be in this place called the Nutrition Center. And the Nutrition Center is like this <laughs> funny thing that I, I've i never even really had to explain it more than like once. But it's the Senior Center. But sometimes there would be events like a cousin's wedding or the last home yeah, game yeah. of the year. Yeah. And then the party would be at the Nutrition Center, which makes sense <laughs> if you live there. But if you're trying to explain it to anyone else, it's yes. like, wait, where is this yes. party? It's right. in the backyard of the Nutrition Center. Why do they call the Senior Center the Nutrition Center? And I don't have any answers to that question. There's so many weird things like that. Like we would have a dance after every single mm-hmm. home game for basketball or football. And they would be called yak dances, mm-hmm. which was like <laughs> youth activities or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, you're going to the yak dance, right? Like, and now I realize, oh, they were doing that so that we wouldn't go yeah. out and drink, right? But then just these, like, there are so many things that you accept as a matter, of course, like the nutrition center that are part of the lexicon and the understanding status yeah. quo that are very difficult to explain to other people because it's just, there's no translation. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't understand like, oh, well, why don't you get an event space? You're like, <laughs> we're using the, U- the nutrition center. <laughs> what are the uh, most ridiculous things that people say to you about being in a small town? One of them is, well, how small? I get a lot of that like instantly. Well, how small are we talking? Where it's like, there's an instant unwillingness to believe that you're from a small town. And I'm like, under a thousand people. And that's like, okay, then that's really small. So it's like, how often are you interacting with people who are like from small towns that aren't actually small towns? It's so strange. Like people from Portland, Maine who are like, I'm from a small town. I don't know. How small? That's almost always the second question I get when people find out I'm from a small town. Another one is, I think there is lack of an accent. Did you have an accent growing up? No accent? That's weird. And then there aren't weird questions, but there is that sort of thing where it's like, oh, was it like, was there that neighborly element? Like, were you just constantly at your neighbor's houses? Like, is that what it was like? And I don't know, you have to explain that. No, it's that's not what it's like at all. It's it's, now I'm just repeating what we've already talked about. But it's usually that sort of, I don't know, people are... People are like instantly on the offense when you tell them you're from a small town. I also get, well, did you play a lot of sports? And it's like, yeah, I did. (laughs) And I hated it. I played all of the ones that were offered because everyone did. Football, basketball, baseball. I ran track and I played tennis. These were all very like little league teams. I didn't play. Had I gotten, had I stayed? Because our move to San Antonio when I was 14 was kind of sudden. I definitely didn't see it coming. And I was going through the process of like, okay, when I'm in high school, I can't do this anymore. And so I was like, how am I going to tell my dad that I don't want to be on any of his teams? You know, And I know that they would have been okay with it because when I moved to San Antonio, I was like, by the way, I'm not playing sports. And they were like, by the way, we knew you weren't going to play sports. You know, like it, (laughs) I just didn't have to have those conversations, but I was preparing myself because everyone does it. And I know that even if I would have said, I don't want to do this, My parents would have been okay with it, but I think I would have had a really tough time in high school because I would have stopped kind of playing along and I don't even want to think about what life would have been like then. And that's another thing that I wanted to explore in the town. It's like, I got out just before things got really tricky. You know, like I I think that Mm. if you are a teen in a place where you feel completely isolated and completely unlike anyone else, 
I don't care if that's a small town or a city, I think that those years are the tough ones. And I already did feel that to some degree in a city. So imagine if it had been in this tiny place. I know. And that's one thing when I think about my high school experience, like I was able to fit in and pass because I had money and it was straight, Mm -hmm. right? Like there were ways that it made it easier for me to make that work. And I think one thing that is often left out of these conversations about moving to small towns and something that we would try to do with this podcast is think about, okay, if you're not part of like the dominant status quo of like white, middle-class, educated, whatever, Mm -hmm. what actually, what things do you need to really think about before you move to a place where you might be one of the few people who are like you in some important yeah. ways. And I, again, I, not to go back to the book again, but that was something else. I, I I wanted to put in a character that was moving there from a big city and yeah. like try to give this honest perspective as to like the ways that she could prepare herself for it and the ways that she could adjust her attitude for it and the things that she could not prepare for that, you know, really kind of wrecked her psyche quickly. I think sometimes... There's an assumption that it's easier for kids who are different in some way, who are gay, who are non-binary, who are trans, like who feel just like they don't fit in, that the Internet makes it easier. Do you think that that's true? It does. Like, I think it makes it easier. But I think the problem is when people say it, it makes it easy. In my experience, at least, I know that older queer people can look at younger queer people. And I've been in these conversations where someone says they have it so easy now. Like, look at this. And someone else will right. say, are you kidding me? They may have it a little bit easier, but there's no world in which <laughs> it's actually easy. It's still right. harder than, like you said, the status quo. It's still harder than growing up straight, cis. You know, like, it's just... It's going to be hard no matter what. I'm happy that queer kids in small towns who are a little more physically isolated, geographically isolated from things, have the internet. But I I still don't think that they're in this idyllic, enviable position, you know? You know, one thing that a lot of people ask me about when it comes to like, oh, should I move to a smaller town? Is they're thinking about their kids and education. And like, sometimes I think a lot of what made me the person that I am in terms of my intellectual curiosities, in terms of so many things, was being in a small town. Do you ever feel that? Yeah, I think about a version of that a lot. I try not to stew in that often because I know I'm happy with who I am now. And because I'm happy with who I am now, sometimes I have to like make the difficult realization that, Part of the reason I'm happy with who I am now is because I wasn't so happy with who I was then. I know that there's not this one-to-one thing where one led to the other. I do think that I became the person I am today because, in part, I was a weird, awkward, uncomfortable kid in a very small town feeling like he really did not belong and that he was just in the wrong place. Like, the first 13 years of my life, I was just like, this is so weird. Especially as someone who loved you know, books and movies who was just constantly consuming media about other places that were nothing like the place I was from. I was just like, this looks totally. magical. Why am I not there? <laughs> right. Like, this is crazy. Do you think you could ever move back to a small town? Or do you think that that would be really difficult in terms of transition? Mm, not before I'm like 60 years old, 55 or 60. Yeah. I, I have no interest in going back now because again, it's like, I hate cars. I'm so scared of them. <laughs> like, I'm, there is a a deadly car accident in this novel because it's like one of my biggest fears. Like, I'm certain that if I commuted every day to work, I'd be dead before I'm 40. I'm absolutely terrified of cars, and I will go as long as I can without having to drive a car every day for as long as I yeah. can. But I, I also think that like it's 
for as nice as it can be, because I know people who live in small towns now, some of them are the people who live in the small town I'm from. And it's totally working for them. And I know that it can be very positive and quite idyllic, actually. But like, ah, starting over right now seems tough because you could move to the small town and you could have everything set up. But if you don't somehow find that like core group of people, and I know that I will need some a core group of people, I'm not ready to be isolated 24-7 just yet. And that's the luck of the draw also. Like you can have the best house in town. You can be so rich, unlimited money where you don't have to worry about gas. You could have oil derricks on your front lawn. But if you don't have that community that you like, then what's it all for? This goes back to the book too, that like you can have family Mm -hmm. ties. You can have a lot of money. You can be building a pool (laughs) in your backyard. But still, it's really hard to to make those inroads and... That's something that we've talked a lot about in the podcast, too, is that there's an expectation that you'll like move into town and like a Hallmark movie, everyone's going to come and welcome you. But there's a lot of suspicion oftentimes of Mm -hmm. outsiders. Also, especially if you don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're a weirdo. You're a weirdo. This is something that I deal with, too, is that like I am not naturally integrated into the rhythms of like welcoming someone into Mm -hmm. a town because I'm neither retired nor have children in the school system. So what do you do with someone? Like us. It's tough. And I think it will work if you're fine being isolated. And I know there are plenty of people who are, who will be happy as little clams if they moved into this little town and didn't make many friends and just wanted to keep to themselves. That's fine. If that's your fantasy, then you could make that work in most places. But like, if that's not your fantasy, it's tough. And if I did live in a small town as a 50, 60 something, it wouldn't be in Texas. Because I hate the heat more and more every year. And by the time I'm that age, like, I want to be freezing all the time. <laughs> and also the hill country is just overflowing with retirees from California. I so <laughs> I always think every time a new retiree moves from California or those tech people move from Silicon Valley yep. to Austin, I'm like, I get why you did this in terms of like bang for your buck and you have a lot of money and you want to uh-huh. get this house and the school districts are good. But I always wonder how long they'll be able to put up with the heat. And that influx only started a couple of years ago. I'm sort of like, tick tock, because I think that you're going to be sick of this really soon and want to get out and move north. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's different than like going down to Arizona yeah. or Florida for a yeah. couple of months. Like it's different. And if you're used to the heat, <laughs> fine. But I don't think those people are. <laughs> I just don't. For actual final okay. last question. Has anyone from a small town gotten in touch with you about the book to say this felt like the portrait of a small town that I was waiting. Like, that's part of what I loved about it is it just felt like a very different portrait of a small town than any that I had read. A couple of people have from just random small towns where they didn't tell me where they were from. And that was wonderful. But I've gotten a handful of emails like Instagram DMs from people from small towns in Texas. Not mine. That's the best thing in the world to get Someone from a small town, a couple of queer people being like, this just reminds me of home. And I'm really grateful that you read it. Like, that's all I ever wanted. I've I've said this before on a podcast, I think, talking about the book. One of the greatest things that anyone in my family said to me after they read it, and I was nervous to send it to them, was my sister said, I'm so glad you weren't condescending towards our hometown. And I was like, that's all I ever wanted you all to think. I didn't want to dump on this place at all. I really just wanted to explore all of my conflicted emotions about this small town. So that my sister got that just really kind of meant everything. I felt like it was very clear I love. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So we just heard the best small town gossip from Bobby Finger. And I highly recommend everyone read his book, particularly if you're the sort of person who likes listening to a podcast like this one. Next, I talked to Lily Fowler. Lily was referred to me by her mom. Shout out to culture study reader Angela, and she lives in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. She's a senior in high school, and she'll talk to us about what it's like to live in a place steeped in family history and how her relationship to her town has evolved. If you're describing your town to someone, I don't know, like online, who is completely unfamiliar with the region, like how would you describe it? It's a very, like, tight-knit community. I've pretty much known all my friends since, like, kindergarten. We grew up together. We go to the one, like, Mexican restaurant that we have, like, every weekend. And, yeah, it's nice to, like, know everybody and be close, but it's hard to branch out. Like, I haven't met, like, a completely new person in such a long time. So that's one thing. And then also, like, especially when I'm out with, like, my grandparents, who also grew up here, we just see everybody that we know. And I feel like I'm either related to someone or, like, I'm friends with them. So it's... There's pros and cons, I'd say. Totally. I mean, when I was growing up, some of my friends who had lived in the area for a lot longer, like their families going back, you know, like Mm -hmm. three, four generations, they had just so many cousins, right? And so sometimes, like, I tell this story to kind of just illustrate what it can be like when you live in a place where your family has lived for a long time. Sometimes they would like a boy and they have to, like, ask their mom 
before they like went out on a date, be like, are we distantly related? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes, I definitely understand that. My mom grew up here. My mom grew up actually basically in the house that I'm living in now. My grandparents, which is her parents, they are next door neighbors to us. And that's the house that she grew up in. And then the house that I live in now is actually my great grandparents' house, which is my mom's grandparents' house. And we rebuilt it as well. But we've always lived here. So we go back generations as well. And definitely that's something I've had to think about too. But like this year, especially in the new class of like freshmen at my high school, a few of them are my cousins that I didn't even know. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's your cousin. And I was like, oh, okay, good to know. <laughs> so how do you think it's changed from when your grandparents were first there and then like your mom when she was your age and then now you? Yeah, it's actually really cool. So my mom went to my high school. So did my dad and my stepdad yeah. and my aunt. So that's been really cool to see. Like my mom will go back and be like, oh, it looks the exact same because it totally. pretty much does. It's very old. <laughs> Going back to my grandparents. So like every time I like go somewhere, my grandpa always has a new story for me. And like, it's been so fun to just hear about like it, Pittsburgh as in the town, but also like my neighborhood as well, specifically because there's like tons of old, like ruined buildings that are still up. And he'll like, yep. tell me stories about how he used to go down and like go to the store and get like a Coke. And like, it was like so cheap. And then we're also, it's like a mill town. So there used to be a working mill in my neighborhood. But my grandparents' parents, my great-grandparents worked there. Totally. I also grew up in a mill town. And like so many people, it's like, yeah, this is what we did when we graduated from high school. Or even if you didn't graduate from high school, you just went and got a job there. And it just, it seems like a totally different reality sometimes than Mm -hmm. what we have now. So one thing that happened to me, because I also went to school with people from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, was that, like, it was really hard to change. Like, once Mm -hmm, people understood you as, like, this sort of person, or, like, if there's, like, a story that somehow, like, defined you in some way, whether it was embarrassing or just, like, something that you were known for, it was just hard to change. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I really want to, like, reinvent myself when I go to college. I just want, like, a fresh, clean slate, I guess, because I really have known the majority of these people since elementary school, some of them middle school. And I mean, a a few of them like freshman year, but even then when I was in elementary school, I was obsessed with Chick-fil-A. Like that was my favorite restaurant. I loved it. And so that's what I was known for. People still think of me when they go to Chick-fil-A and I'm like, okay, that's great. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. No, (laughs) you can't grow. You can't grow out of it. The other thing too, I know in my high school and a lot of small town high schools, like so much of the school year is really about like, and then we have homecoming, like there, and then we have this dance, and then we have this dance. We had so many dances, and then the sports seasons, just generally. So, w- what was the hardest for you about just having things change so much during the pandemic? It was kind of a weird timing. So it was like at the end of my freshman year. So I still did get like homecoming and like football season. So that was nice to experience. Yeah. Mainly was like during my sophomore year that was like really yeah. messed up. It was just weird. I mean, as everyone says, it became like normal after a while, and then like with friends too, like. I couldn't really hang out with people or like I only really hung out with like the same like three people and we could only just like be outside and like be like in our yard and everything because we didn't want to like go inside. So that was kind of hard. It was, I think the social aspect was like the worst of it for me, which I mean, it was for a lot of people too. And then, you know, that summer was when all the BLM protests started popping up, you know, after Mm -hmm. the murder of George Floyd. What happened in your town? Like a lot of towns all over the United States, has a history of white supremacy, of of racism. So how did that moment change the way that you thought about your town? It was definitely hard. I mean, I feel like a decently young age, I mean, like middle school, I feel like I always kind of just had a very like negative 
thought of my town and just like also the South specifically, but like my town, because there was a lot of like conservative, like Republican, very like mm-hmm. racist people. And it, I mean, also the South generally, I feel like has that connotation too. So, and I was just like yeah. kind of internalizing that. So in turn, I like didn't it like where I was growing up and I didn't enjoy it. And all I wanted to do, even like in middle school, all I wanted to do was like, oh, I'm going to go super far away for college and like get out and like live in a big city. But honestly, like I, I've started to like love it, which I feel like is very kind of contradictory because a lot of like bad things did happen specifically in the South too. And like in my town, we, we had a Black Lives Matter protest. And I think it was like late 2020 or early 2021, maybe. And then we also like more recently, we had a like reproductive rights protest there as well. Both were like really cool to see because, you know, my town, I I think of it as very kind of conservative, but, you know, I was also talking to my mom earlier and she was kind of saying we're like a little speck of like blue and like a big sea of red, which is true because our town has definitely become a little bit more liberal than it used to be. But it was like cool to see us all come together and like kind of agree on something. Well, not everybody, of course, but like a lot of people. There was a protest in my small town, which is really, really conservative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't a ton of people. It was like a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah. it takes a lot to stand up in one of those. Because at least in, in my town, like, you don't do protests, right? It's not a place where you, yeah. like, make yourself stick out like that. Like, was there ever any question? Did you ever feel like, I don't know if I want to go to the protest? Like, And what conversations did you have with, like, your mom or your grandparents about that? Yeah, I definitely thought about it. Thankfully, like, a lot of my close like family and friends, like my grandparents and my parents were all, we kind of all have very similar like ideas. We're all pretty liberal. So everybody like kind of agreed. And like, I would go, well, for the Black Lives Matter one, I just went with my mom. And then for the reproductive rights one, I went with my mom and like my best friends, which was kind of nice. So like, I definitely had all the people like that I really cared about. They all like agreed with me. So I never had to really worry about it. But I definitely think about that as well, because there's definitely a population in my town that is very like conservative and judgmental and I mean, but we were having our little protest and like across the street, it was like all the guys and their Confederate flags and their trucks. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of the population that like did not agree. But like yeah. I said, thankfully I had like a, a good like support system that we all kind of agreed on the similar topics. So I never felt like yeah. too ostracized in that way. You know, I talk to a lot of parents who are thinking about moving to smaller towns and they're just like so scared that their kids are going to hate it. So what would you say to those parents? <laughs> Honestly, could be a valid fear, but I think also <laughs> like small towns, they're nice in some ways. I've really grown to love it in a way. I guess my perspective is a little different than someone who would choose to move there, but I do like the community. It's so nice to be able to have like such a tight group of like people. Like even if I don't talk to a ton of people like every day, we just all have like this common thing. Like we all are the other night, actually, I can give an example, like there was a Christmas tree lighting in town and it was just so cute. And like, like all the town came out and it was just so nice to like see everybody. And I saw like tons of people I know and like some of the clubs at school were like having little tables. And it was just like so nice to be able to like see everybody like be together. And like, I feel like that's something you wouldn't get living in a bigger city. So totally. The sense of community is really big. I think that I was nervous when I left to go to college that like my clothes wouldn't be as cool, but I feel like that was a very... 1999 thing of me like we didn't order clothes online yet so it's totally different now I bet you're okay with your clothes right (laughs) yeah I I am um but you know I I guess like one thing I am nervous about for college is kind of like what we've been talking about is like not knowing everyone like that I'm gonna be just put into a new environment 
I mean, it, depending on where I go, because of course, if I go to like one of the state schools, I probably will know some people. Yeah. But I do kind of want to try to branch out a little bit and go to like an out-of-state school. Nothing too far, but like within the surrounding states. But yeah, it's definitely something I'm nervous about, like not being in this community where I know everyone, which is ne- something I never thought that I would say that I'm like scared about that. But like, it's it's exciting and nerve-wracking at the same time. It's totally. And actually, th- I'm glad that you're thinking about this because it's something that I didn't think enough about. And then when I got to college, I was like, where are all the people who've known me since I was three? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, so just like anticipating that I think is, is really important. And it's important to know that you're going to miss people and value them now, you know? So right now you are in the midst of your college applications. So the process of like writing your personal essays and stuff, like how has that affected the way that you thought about your town? It's definitely affected it in a positive way. Like I've said, in the past like year or so, mainly like the last few months, I've really started to like appreciate my town more. Well, my personal essay, like the main one that I sent to like all my colleges was actually about um, sweet tea and how much I love it. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) that kind of ties into like my family and that ties into my town as well because I like, we have so many traditions and everything. But also like some of them asked about like your community and I talked about kind of things we talked about here, like how the protests were and how like the pandemic affected it. But it's definitely overall like made me have such a positive affection for my town, especially thinking about going to college and like leaving. That's been really hard because I've been realizing, oh, I actually will miss it. I actually really do like it. So yeah, yeah, that's been one thing to think about. I think it's one of those things where it's like you don't know how much you're going to miss something until you're faced with the prospect of leaving it. Exactly. Okay. So as a kind of closing question, this might be a little bit hard, but what's your favorite thing (laughs) about your town? I mean, I think it's the people. Like, I don't know, like what I would do if I didn't live in the place that I do, like having my grandparents next door and like being able to just like walk down the street and know everyone, especially like as a kid, I was so outgoing. (laughs) And when I would go out with my grandpa, because my mom was always at work. So I was always with my grandparents. And when I'd go out with him, like I would talk to everybody that he would talk to. And like, I just loved it. So definitely like being around my family and people that, that know me and like me, I guess. So yeah, that would probably be my favorite thing. I love you. Like, it's not just that they know me, they like me. (laughs) It's really great. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been a total pleasure. Yeah, thank you. It's it's an honor. I'm so excited. (laughs) Town Sizing is produced by Neon Hum Media for HGTV. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show. I'm Anne Helen Peterson, and if you see me online or in real life, be sure to give me that small town wave. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.